I thought I was lost, but then I realized I was on an adventure finding myself. Hey everyone, Meredith here. Just checking in to see if you know of an organization who's looking for a keynote speaker, workshop host, just someone to talk about what we talk about here on this podcast. Go ahead and refer me or let me know. Welcome to the Finding Myself podcast. I am Meredith Siget, your host here at this podcast. So... I hope everyone has their mug of coffee, their drink of choice, because I want you to settle in. Today's episode is going to be amazing, and I am actually going to put out there, for me, I'm expecting it to be life-changing. I feel like today I might be having a little bit of a therapy session with my guest, I have been looking at what she's putting out there on the social media. We've been connected for a little bit of time, and I've just been curious, and thankfully she has agreed to be on the podcast, and gosh, I am just looking forward to this episode. I woke up this morning before recording and just had to get in the right headspace of, okay, sit back and just absorb everything that she has because I I just I know this episode is going to be dynamic and I, I hope I'm not scaring her off I hope I'm not giving her the anxieties but I really do believe that this is going to be an amazing episode so sit back make sure you've got your cup of coffee whatever you need to just listen in and let's go ahead and do this So I'd like to introduce you to uh, Lorena Seidel. Hi, Lorena. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here. This is such a pleasure and an honor and such a nice introduction. Now I am feeling a little bit of the pressure (laughs) and I'll try to live up to it. So this is fantastic. I'm so excited. I am just excited. You are a guest that I personally want to talk to. And again, I think that we might be just be having a therapy session here today. I really want to learn from you. And I think you have a lot of great things to share. So people are probably wondering now, like, what are we talking about? What's so great about her? Would you tell my listeners about yourself? Oh my goodness, yes. So I'm Lorena Seidel and I am a mom of three and I have all these you know, things in my background. I feel like I, I have a, a journey into this you know, work that I do today. I started out as a Montessori teacher many, many years ago and was in the classroom for several years before I even had my own kids. And I had studied education. I was, you know, finishing my master thesis in social emotional learning by the time I was having my little ones. So I just came into parenthood overly confident. I thought this was going to be a breeze because I had all this learning, this the theory. <laughs> I knew my stuff. And then, of course, I got a, a big... Uh, reality check (laughs) you know a couple of years into parenting 
uh, I had two very close together. They're all three, uh, you know, I had all three within three and a half years, but two very close. And I realized that, okay, this is, this is harder than, <laughs> than I thought. And uh, of course I had the, the, the toddler, the almost two year old that started to not listen and to talk <sighs> back and to want to hurt the baby. And I was sleep deprived and nursing that newborn with all the pressures of having the, the newborn at home. And that's when I saw myself going down that path of parenting that I really didn't want to. I, from my childhood, from my upbringing, I had made a vow to be a, a good mom. I wasn't going to cause the emotional harm that I went through in my childhood. So for me, that was, that was what, you know, one day it just hit me that I was becoming my mom and I was, you know, going down that path of, you know, uh, we have such love and, reverence and respect for those babies like uh, I don't yeah. know about you but I remember like coming home from the hospital like in the back seat and my husband is driving 15 miles an hour because <laughs> we have the most precious cargo with us <laughs> do you remember that yes oh my gosh and and then two years went by and I was raising my voice I was threatening that little one I was wanting to put her away in a timeout and that's it hit me that you know where did all that love and respect and honoring go like now here I am you know punishing this little one so I knew I needed to to shift. I didn't want to. I had studied too much to know, you know, all the impact, right? To know that many of us adults who are now in, in therapy or counseling or not, um, even if, if we are looking for help or not, we're still sorting out the emotional damage of the first decade, right? We're still talking about, you know, what mom said, what dad did, and that kid that bullied us in elementary yes. school. It's you know, self-esteem. So I just, for me, was that I want to parent, but I want to do it in a way that works, but it has to feel good in the process, and I don't want to create the emotional harm. <laughs> so that's when I dove into this work and doubled down in my research and read all the parenting books, took the positive discipline trainings and mindfulness, you know, based stress reduction training, and then, you know, doubled down on my emotional intelligence background and those, you know, Montessori methods of education, Waldorf methods of education try to put it all together and get the best of the best and squeeze out oh, sort of, you know, this, you know, this magical combination <laughs> of all the good stuff. So that's, that's how I, I, I did this. I, I have to agree with you. So I am a school counselor. Uh, my listeners know that. And I have that training and I talk to parents every day and give them tips and tricks on how to handle this. So I had this plan in my head how things were going to go, but my kids just didn't have the same plan. That That's where I think we get tricked into a false sense of security because we are educated in these theories and tricks and strategies 
So we can control our side of things. We do not control the other side of things. And we have to learn that. That, well, that's the part that I kind of uh, left out or didn't plan for was that variable of my child and their personality, their temperament, whether they're um, well or sick, whether they're hungry, whether they're tired, all those things that come into play on their side. And then we start questioning us like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm going to screw my kid up. Oh, that's where I kind of then just take the deep breath and say, it's going to be okay. You love your child. You're doing these things because you love your child. Take a breath. Yeah. Oh, and I, um, as my listeners know, I went through a infragility journey for about 10 years. So these little buggers that I have, I've put a lot of time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears into them. So I hear you coming home from the hospital I kept saying to my husband, they just let us drive off. Like, we just drove off with this baby. I feel weird just driving off. And you do. We're like, where's the bubble wrap? How do I keep them safe? And it in that moment, you realize this is where life begins as a parent. And you want to do everything that you can do to keep them safe. But there are variables that you can't control. You can, you got to do what you got to do what you can do best within those controllable situations and just trust your heart and your gut on the ones that you can't control. Yeah. Oh, so parenting. Parenting is not easy. Why is that? You know, we hear this so much. I think that... What I've learned after talking to thousands of parents and educators to people who work with children, but mostly parents, uh, after working with thousands of them, what I've realized the most is that it's harder because we have a lot of mindset uh, stuff that's playing against us we already start to hear these things that it's going to be hard. The second that we get pregnant, people start telling us, save your sleep, you're never going to sleep again, right? (laughs) And then if they know that you're having a girl, they say, oh my gosh, girls are so dramatic, just wait until they're teenagers, they're going to hate you, right? And then if you say you're having a boy, they're going to say, oh, oh, for you, they are so much energy and they're crazy, right? So I feel like we're just embracing ourselves and ready for this to be really hard. And because like now we know about how our brain works, we will experience what we believe we will experience. So, so much of our parenting experience comes from what we believe and what we think about parenting. And I came to, to learn that it can be a lot easier. We can uncomplicate parenting, that it doesn't have to be so hard, but we make it harder sometimes on ourselves uh, because we have the best intentions, but we often don't have the best mindset or the best strategies or the best emotional intelligence. And that makes it harder. I think that you know, knowledge is power, right? The more we know, the more we learn about 
how we all work, what drives human behavior, why our children do what they do, why do we do what we do, the more we know, the better and the easier it becomes. So uh, I'm a big you know, advocate of parents really learning the straight. <laughs> you know, we don't, we take classes, we learn how to do all the other things. We don't even try to do, uh, you know, just wing it and trial and error our way through a lot of things. But when it comes to parenting, we're all sort of, you know, trialing and erroring, hoping for the best and kind of having to sit back and wait 30 years to figure it out if it paid out or <laughs> it paid off or not. It's like, well, how did they turn out? <laughs> did all of this work or not? <laughs> so I try to help parents not have to rely on that. So, you know, I work with all these parents who are, they want to know they're doing the best they can mm-hmm. do. They want to know they're minimizing the, the chances of creating these emotional harms that then their children are going to spend their adult lives trying to sort it out. Uh, they want to make sure they're setting them up for success. And they don't really want to have to wait 30 years. They want to be like, okay, I'm pretty sure I did, you know, the really the, the, the best um, and, and have that. The, the peace of mind, the peace of heart that, you know, yes, things are beyond our control and we don't really know how this all is going to turn out, but we know we did, you know, the best we could do. So I, I, this conversation is kind of interesting for me because I, I've got two hats kind of in this conversation as a mental health professional of young people and as a parent. So I know like, I know what I say to parents and kids as a counselor, but then I like I want someone to say those things to me as a parent. A- example being, I have the wonderful opportunity to tell parents how wonderful their kids are. I get to gush about the the child to the parent, and I love doing that. I know that the parents respond well, and and definitely at the middle school age. Middle school, I think, has such a bad rap. Those those early teenage years are so hard, and uh, sometimes the, the kids are seen as just challenges and difficult, but they're great, and to be able to tell a parent that is just amazing. And it, it's so powerful. So I know that parents want to hear some of that feedback that you're talking about, that we don't wait 30 years. But in the moment, you know, let me let me hear the good things that are happening. When my child is away from me, how do they act? Are they taking those things that I have taught? Are they adhering to the values that we have in our family? Uh, so it's good to give some of that feedback. And as putting on my parent hat, I wonder those things. Are my kids using their manners? Uh, I don't have middle school students. I have elementary students. But are they using their manners? Do they keep their hands to themselves? Uh, and it you, you worry. You worry sometimes. And I don't know if worry necessarily encompasses it because it's, it's not always a negative. Wonder. You just you're stuck wondering for that feedback, um, and so as a counselor, I try to give as much feedback as I can to make phone calls. But even as another parent, 
I have been in situations where I've seen a, a child use their manners so well when a parent didn't see. And I'll go over to the parent and say, I just want to let you know that your son did an amazing job with the waitress. He used his uh, pleases and his thank yous and just articulated his needs in just such appropriate way. Just so the parent knows. Yeah. Oh, it's so nice to hear those things, right? We love to to yeah. get that feedback. So that's, that's so sweet of you to, to offer that. That's a gift. Every yeah. parent wants that. Yeah, and I, I encourage my listeners, when you see those opportunities, you know, whether you're a parent yourself, you're a single person, you're a grandparent, when you see a child, uh, you know, acting appropriately, it reinforces that behavior if you acknowledge it. Um, so, you know, please, you know, find those times because I am a true believer that it takes a village and you are part of our village out there, whether you are, you know us or not, uh, just to make sure that we're making those good choices and um, acting appropriately out in public and when mom and dad aren't watching because um, that's when, you know, the truth comes out and we can all help each other out with, with that child rearing. Now, I've got to mention, so your tagline is stop surviving parents and start thriving. I'm not saying this right, am I? Stop surviving parenting and start thriving at it. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I resonate with the whole surviving aspect of it, but I really would like to thrive at it. Can, can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, how we can go from one to the other? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I, this is what I love talking about the most. Well, here's the, the tricky thing, right? We were wired, humans were wired for survival. So it has served us in, you know, out through our history. Uh, we are still here as a species, right? We survived. Uh, but our biology and our psychology is wired for that. So for us to survive, we tend to focus on the negative or what could be wrong in the dangers around us. And we have, you know, coping mechanisms and, and stress responses, right? So we will fight, we will flight, we will freeze in face of stress, right? Under pressure. So all these things were designed to survive. But nowadays where we are not really seeking shelter and water and food, most of us were so lucky here where we are, we're so privileged. We, you know, we're, we don't have these everyday you know, survival needs. <laughs> we are doing okay, right? Um, and now, for us to thrive in any facet of our lives, uh, but especially parenting, we have to take an evolutionary leap, right? We have to move beyond that surviving mode to to from that surviving mode to thriving mode, right? We have to go from survival to tribal. So to do that, we really have to rewire our mindsets. That is the biggest thing. And you're probably hearing a lot about mindset lately, but you know the research is so clear that 80% of our future success 
in all facets of life, including relationships and all things, um, will come from right in between our ears. Right? It's our <laughs> thinking, it's our mindset, it's our emotional intelligence. And the same for our children. So when we think of our children, and we're all parents trying to set them up for success, right? We are right. trying to choose the best schools, we move to the best districts if we have to, we spend uh, you know, what we have and don't have to afford a good education, we send them to the camps and the musical instruments and the after-school activities we try to buy the organic foods we try to just what can we do to set them up for right. success right we will do so but when we realize that 80 percent of their future success is going to come from their mindset and their emotional intelligence then it, it it changes the game for me that changes everything because i spend a lot of my time i used to spend a lot of my time playing really small as a parent. And I think that women play small, even in our, in our parenting. We are cooking, we're cleaning, we're driving, we're entertaining them, keeping them safe, planning their social schedule, keeping them busy, playing doctor when they get hurt. And all these things are sweet and nice and they, we need, right? Um, but we can be playing much bigger because if we're spending 80% of our time doing these little things, and then we often... I realized for myself and for, you know, a lot of the clients I work with, we get ourselves so busy in this busy work of folding laundry, cooking meals and cleaning up and driving them that we actually, when, when it comes to helping them navigate the emotional challenges, the ins and outs of relationships, their self-esteem, when it comes to giving them that invincible mindset, unshakable sense of self, we end up not having time for it or energy or, we just were like, okay, one more minute. I don't have time for this right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I just have this one more thing to do. And I'm like, no, can we just drop everything we're doing and realize that the most important thing we can do is to flip this thing on its head, spend 80% of our interactions with our children, helping them develop this invincible mindset, this unshakable sense of self and help them navigate the ins and outs of relationships, of their own internal struggles and help them get through the emotional challenges. And then we spend 20% of our time doing this other little stuff. Um, I, I like to tell parents that we can outsource everything in our parenting, but three things. Anybody, okay. we can we can get people to drive our kids. We could get we can take out. We can order the pizza. We could get someone to help us out with the housework. Um, but we cannot outsource our mindset work and our children's mindset work and our connection with our children and the emotional intelligence of our family. Those are the only three things. And now I pretty much, that's all I do. I spend my time working on these three things because I know that's, what's going to move the needle. Um, but it takes a huge mindset shift to get to this, to this place where you're like, Oh, wait, let me get this the priority straight here. <laughs> does that make sense? It does. And I, what I'm seeing here is, while there, there's, there's just a, a kind of like a double-edged sword, but in a very positive way. Because if I work on my mindset in order to help my child's mindset, both of us end up better off. 
I don't want to necessarily use the word happy because we have a full range of emotions. But if we are better off, when those negative or harder emotions come, we have the coping skills and the support to deal with it. Um, and, and that's on both sides. So while it can, can seem a little selfish to want to thrive in parenting because it's impacting me and how I feel, it really is selfish for me, for all of us. I'm being selfish about my family, not necessarily me. I want the best for my family as a whole and making that a priority is really going to make everyone in the family system better. And that that's just an amazing thing to think about. When we think about this, is so counterintuitive and it can be so triggering. And I'm sure people will listen to some of these things. And it's so different than what we grew up to believe about ourselves, right? Mothers should be sacrificing everything. We should be martyrs. We should be putting ourselves at the bottom of the to-do list. Or maybe we watched our moms, you know, being the last one to sit at the table. And then the first one to get up and start doing the dishes again. And not, you know, like we, we've seen that personal sacrifice. So we feel like that, you know, this is like so counterintuitive that we should work, spend so much time working on our mindset. But the truth is, and then working on our children's mindset, is that no one does better until they feel better. Right. So when we think about that, it's as simple as that, is that often when our children are misbehaving, we, our gut instinct is to make them feel even worse we want to make them pay for it we want to make we want to shame them we want to blame them we want to threat them we want to punish them right and what that does is make them feel even worse and if you feel worse you're not gonna do any better right so it's we have to do the opposite we have to help them feel better if we want them to do better and then we do this to ourselves too right we talk ourselves we stay in that guilt every time we yell at our kids every time we we're late picking them up or we forgot something an appointment where we you know we messed up then we sit and we let our brain go on and on and you know I'm a bad mom and I'm ruining my kids and I don't have it together I'm not good enough I'm not enough of this I'm too much of that and we don't make ourselves feel good right and so we get caught in this perpetual you know negative cycle and we need to feel better so we can do better right so um the work is that how do we get ourselves um you know set ourselves up to feel better so we can do better and it really all comes to the way our internal state of being our our mindset that's 80 percent of the work Well, it's interesting in hearing you talk about this. I remember like when my kids were even littler and people would say the dishes, you know, can be dirty. Leave them dirty. Go get on the floor and play with your children. And I did that. Um, I, you know, prioritized the connection and the playing with them and just being in the moment with them at that age. We've grown a little bit from that. Life has gotten a little bit busier. And I see 
that I have slipped a little bit. I, you know, feel like they're older now. They're more independent. They don't need me as much. So I have gotten myself into, you know, some other things or, you know, reading, trying to have a clean house, um, some of my side ventures. But at least 50% of the bad behaviors that happen here at the house are because one of my children needs attention. And my, my son probably is a higher percentage um, that he he does things that might be classified as annoying, which will then elicit a negative response. But I've realized it's attention. So we have tried to work with him on just stating, I need your attention right now to be able to advocate for his needs instead of trying to get that attention in a negative way. And it, I mean, it's it's better because he's able to recognize how he's feeling and to advocate. Uh, it's not, it's not perfect. No. Um, and, and for you to do this beautiful work of having this peaceful conversation, being effective in the face of challenge, right? Helping him understand the reason behind his behavior. Ooh, this is, is this an attention seeking behavior? Could this be a power seeking behavior, right? When in this case for you, he's seeking attention. So maybe another parent listening to this is having a lot of power struggles, right? Hassles over meal time and hassles about bedtime, uh, hassles to get out of the door, get dressed, all these things, right? Get in the car seat or whatever it is. And, having that ability to be able to say okay maybe this is a power they're power seeking right now or my child is attention seeking or my child is calling me a name or my child is fighting with the sibling and it's hurting it's pushing it's fighting oh this child is revenge seeking right now i said something i told them to get off the device and now they are telling i'm the worst mom in the world <laughs> or that they want to you know they're not inviting uh, their brother to their birthday party right like because they are seeking that revenge or you know the, the as parents we can say oh, okay maybe my child's just feeling inadequate right there's nine reasons behind human behavior and you can start pinpointing them right or is this lack of a basic need maybe my child is just tired and hungry and cranky right but to have that ability to be able to to do what you do in these moments to recognize okay behavior is just communication this is not personal. They're not trying to annoy me. Yes, I, I'm so annoyed by this behavior and I want to, it's inviting me to want to, you know, like not be with this kid right now. Yes. Like, no, okay, I've had enough of you. Uh, but to have that ability to see, okay, they are communicating something. There is an, un, a root behind this behavior and I can address that. And I can help my child have the words to say, you know what, mom, I am bothering interrupting saying mommy 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 i am trying to pick a fight with my sibling here because i want your attention right for us to be able to help our children recognize that takes that state of mind like what i realized is that i knew all of these strategies in theory i knew what i should be doing and saying and even my clients they sometimes print out some of the the pieces of my program they say i put those statements on my refrigerator so i have the things i should be saying and doing but what we all recognize is that in the heat of the moment 
it doesn't matter if we know what we should say or do, we push ourselves over the edge and we are not in a mental state to even use and access those great strategies. We will flip our lids, we will yell, we will resort to what we were programmed to do. So we we result to that default mode, right? Yeah. So we kind yeah. of we can we can't even we know we're gonna be inappropriate. We know we're gonna yell, we know we're gonna say something hurtful, we know we're gonna regret later. <laughs> we know it's ineffective, but we're like, ah, let's do it. <laughs> I'm just committed to that at that moment because we're in the heat of the moment. We just don't have that the mindset to 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 do these beautiful you know, parenting that we, we are also totally capable of doing. Like we know what we look like, what we are like when we're in a good state of mind. We've all had those days when we feel so good and fulfilled and wholesome and happy that nothing phases us. We right. can, you know, look the other way. We let things roll off our shoulder. We rise above the problem. So it, we, it's proof. Every time uh, I talk to parents, I say, if you have experienced those days when you had an amazing state of mind and nothing faced you, you rose above the situation, you didn't let your kids push your button, then it's proof that it can happen. Now the work is to, how do we replicate this? How do we stretch these times? How do we stay in this good state of mind for longer? And how do we recover when things break down? Because, you know, it's bound to break down. How do we recover more quickly? And how do we help help our children recover more quickly? Sometimes parents um, come to me and they're like, oh, our tantrums are like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or the bedtime hassle is a 45-minute ordeal. And I say, what if the the tantrum could be reduced to a one minute, two minute conversation and you can help your child flip their mindset in two minutes? (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) I know. Or the the bedtime, the 45 minute could be shrunk into a five minute bedtime routine, right? Like, and it is possible. It it, it happens because, and, and the thing I think it's so important, I get so enthusiastic about this is that parents uh, think that it's going to be hard, it's going to take a while. And then I say, you know, because we address this at the level of the thinking, Mm. it is really fast because the speed of the thought, right? It's like the speed of a light. It's like the light switch. So uh, the second you can change your mind, you change your life. If you change your thinking, you change the way you act and behave. So when we work with the children, to help them change their thinking. And we work with ourselves at the level of the thinking. It happens like that. It's a moment. It's really as fast as it takes to change your your thinking. Uh, But what we typically do, we're trying to change behavior. But there's five things that drive behavior, right? So start with a thought. And then that thought invites you to feel in a certain way. Then you feel, so maybe it's a negative thought, then you have a negative feeling about it, you get frustrated, you're annoyed, you're disappointed, depressed, whatever it is that you start feeling. Then you develop a belief. Now you internalize that. And now you, maybe you have the belief that my kid, it's too hard. My kid is difficult. I got a difficult child. Or parenting is so hard. Or I'm a bad mom. I don't know how to do this. I I give up. I'm out of tools, right? The, whatever it is. So we, de- we develop that belief. Now we make a decision in that moment 
So if my belief is that my kid is too difficult or they're walking all over me, that parenting is so hard, I might decide that, you know, I just need to lay down the law here. They need more discipline. I'm just not firm enough. And then you, so you make a decision and now you choose an action, a course of action. So you say or do something. So now you behave. That's the behavior. That's the fifth thing down the line. And then you decide to yell because now you, you believe that they need more discipline, that they're walking all over you. You need, so now you threat, now you, you shame, now you blame. And the same for our kids, right? They have a thought that's negative. Then they feel badly. Then they develop a belief. So let's say an example, maybe you pick sides during a sibling fight, right? And then they think, oh, mom, mom always is always on his side. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they feel disappointed or they feel sad. They feel frustrated. Maybe they feel lonely. Maybe they feel not heard or misunderstood. Right. Now they develop the belief that someone else is preferred, that someone else is the favorite and that mom likes him better. Right. We don't know what our children are, you know, the beliefs they're developing. We just know that we're developing hundreds hundreds, thousands, millions of limiting beliefs about ourselves, about others in the world. So maybe they develop that belief. Now they make a decision. Oh, I decide that I don't like this little brother anymore. (laughs) I want him to go back to the hospital. I don't like this baby, right? Or whatever it is. Or I decide I'm going to hurt. I'm going to, you know, punch him back. (laughs) Or... I'm going to make him look bad now in front of mom. So now I'm going to tattletale. I'm going to go tell mom what he's doing wrong because now I want mom to see that I'm good and he's bad. Right. right? So then they act and now they do these things like hurting each other, calling each other names, coming to you and tell what the other one is doing. And then we try to fit to fix the behavior. And I tell parents, it's too late. There's too much momentum. There's a thought, there's a feeling, there's a belief, there's a decision behind that behavior. You stop trying to change the behavior, change, change the thinking, <laughs> start there and you change everything. Does that, does that make sense? It does. It does. I, you, I mean, you're describing some of the things that are happening at my house, you know, right now with my two kids and, um, uh, I, as a parent, I'm like done dealing with the sibling fighting and who hit who and whatever. And I thank you for reinforcing because I'm I'm trying to work on their relationship and how they can work with each other and communicate with each other. So I'm trying to give some encouragement, some language. Uh, so that they can find a better place to be be like, I don't like what you're doing. I like when you share with me and we can kind of have some of that common ground between them. So it doesn't get to using our fists and using our feet and you know, calling each other names. Yeah. And can you imagine, imagine that they had all this emotional intelligence, that they knew what's behind their own behavior and that they understood what is the what are the driving force behind their sibling behavior why they are saying and doing what they're doing and why is mom doing and saying what she's saying and doing and that is the work that i I help families understand so i work with the parents first so they 
you know, help them rewire their mindsets, learn better strategies, figure out ways to repair the connection more quickly. Because it's not about, you know, we all, as parents, we, you know, we can create connection. We're good at that. We're not very good about sustaining it for longer periods of time. And then we disconnect from our kids and we're not very good at reconnecting quickly. It kind of takes a while for us all to recuperate from those breakdowns right from the meltdowns from the when we yell at them and then we are all of us adults lack a lot of emotional intelligence because we didn't have this in school perhaps we were not raised by very emotionally intelligent parents ourselves and our teachers coaches at that time they didn't know it wasn't that you know it wasn't a thing back then so we lack and then our children obviously lack the emotional intelligence due to their age and their brain development at the time so but if we work with the adults and then we help the adults coach the children and pass this knowledge down okay now i know why you do what you do i'm gonna teach you what are the the things behind people's behavior maybe this is why your brother said that or did that now they have the superpower it's a it's next level parenting it's next level sibling relationship it's really uh, taking elevating things and once you you work on these four areas mindset strategy connection and emotional intelligence then that's it you kind of go you create that positive cycle this this is amazing you're right it's a superpower parents we now have these tools that can help us in in so many situations and it also is helping us like i i don't know i just feel like this is a layer cake and every layer of this is yummy in itself but all together it creates this wonderful cake where I get my needs met, I feel better, I have happier days, which makes my life so much better. But in doing this, I do the same for my children where they have good days and this is going to carry them and give them tools for, you know, hopefully a really good life where they can emotionally handle all the ups and downs that life brings. Um, And then as a family, that cohesive unit, how we function together and can support each other and communicate and connect with each other, it's just just an amazing idea. And I think we would all want that. As parents, I think Um, we would all want that. Yes. And because a lot, I don't know you, but I could probably (laughs) assume so because all, you know, the thousands of parents I've worked, they realized that they got, they got caught into this cycle that it's, uh, my kid does something or I'm just stressed out in my parenting. So then I react and respond to that, uh, in a negative way, right? I, I use a poor strategy. So maybe I shame or blame, I threat, and I, or I bribe, or I give in, or I, you know, I become too permissive, mm-hmm. or I check out, right? And I'm not, I'm scrolling on my social media now. I don't even have what it takes to parenting this moment. And then because of this, you know, poor strategies, we end up disconnecting from our children. 
And then this connection is the root of a lot of the negative behavior, right? Yeah. Our children are now, and we know this because if you try to have a phone call and you have young children around, they will, you know, as soon as you take that phone call, they feel like they lost the attention, they lost the connection, right? So they will mommy, 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 bang on something, interrupt, pick a fight with the sibling, all the things they know to do that is going to get you off that phone call and looking at them again and giving them some FaceTime with them, right? right? Even if it's negative attention, it's still attention. Our children will take it. Mm -hmm. so, we, so we responded in a negative way. So we disconnect. The disconnection invites the negative behavior. And then we spend our days chasing our tails, putting out fire, addressing the, the morning hassle. And then it's the mealtime hassle. And then it's the sibling fight. And then we put another, put out a fire here again. Yes. And that is what keeps you tired and stressed and triggered to begin with. So then you respond again when you yell, right? You threat and you get caught in this negative circle. And the, the, you got to reverse that, flip that. So you get into a good state of mind, right? So you work to the internal work, rewire yourself, get rid of all those limiting beliefs we have and the negative patterns of interactions we've inherited from our childhood, right? Some of us are controlling, some of us are codependent, some of us are permissive, some of us are just reactive, we snap, we are short-tempered, right? So we, we can eliminate that. Then we can access the better strategies, so just having the mindset, it's not enough, it's 80% of it. But even if you are in the best state of mind, if you don't have better tools, right, like positive discipline tools, better strategies, then you're still kind of out of luck. <laughs> so you need the great mindset, then you can access those better tools. These strategies will create connection. And then when you have connection, connection is the antidote to misbehavior. So now your child listens to you more because we listen to the people we feel connected to now they respect you more because we respect the people we feel connected now they are kind to us because they we we are kind to the people we feel connected to mm -hmm. we cooperate with the people we feel connected to so now we have their cooperation right so now things are running more smoothly they are listening, they're cooperating, they're kind, they're, they're respecting more, which means that we're not putting out fires all day long. We actually, you know, we, we are calmer, we are more relaxed, which means we have more time to work on our mindset again and sustain that mindset. And then we start this positive cycle. We get, we get that going. And, and that's really the, the formula for, <laughs> you know, the four things for us to focus on. And we can find all these four things separately. Like there's great resources for mindset. You can read books on parenting strategies. You can read book on connection. There's tons of, you know, great books on social emotional learning and emotional intelligence. But in, until you put everything together, it doesn't turn the wheels. <laughs> it doesn't get things moving. Well, Lorena, I'm so uh, happy that you brought up books because I was so pleasantly surprised about your book. And I was wondering if you could tell our listeners about your book because we've had a short snippet of you, but your book would be just an amazing resource. 
Yes, my book is, it's barely a book. I'm almost embarrassed because it's so little, but it was on purpose. I made it really short because, you know, parents, once we've had them, now we don't have that much time to read anymore. So I try to consolidate all of the best stuff into, you know, just a few pages and there's pictures in there too. But this book, The Purposeful Child, is geared to parents of young children. And you could use the principles, a lot of the stuff in here for all ages. But there is a second book, Cooking, and that book will have a lot more of this good stuff. But this book is wonderful and so helpful. And everybody who, you know, reads the book finds it really, really um, transformative. Because I always try to be, you know, sometimes we, we go to a talk, a lecture or we hear a podcast interview or a YouTube video on, you know, an expert talking and it's informational. Sometimes it's even inspirational, but I want it to be informational, inspirational and transformational because Ooh. if we don't apply, <laughs> it doesn't, it means nothing, right? Love that. Yes. I'm going to have to think about that. Um, when I sit down to to a lecture or an experience that that yes, I want that transformational piece. Like what am I going to take from this and use and do implement it, not just say, oh, that was great. Yes, because I, I tell parents and, and the same with our children. I just so I, I work at these levels. Like, you know, there's some parents are working with me and they're working on themselves. Some are already working on passing this down to their family. So they're coaching, they, they're becoming, they're stepping into a completely different role as a mom, right? They're kind of, okay, I'm, I'm not no longer just the person that cooks and cleans and drives and, you know, keeps them entertained. I am their social emotional coach, which is the best role I could ever, you know, take here in, in my house. So some of them are in, at that level and when you, you know, when I tell parents or when they work with their children, think about it this way, right? You can read a book about uh, swimming, for example, or you can watch a video, but no one will ever learn how to swim by watching a video about it or reading about it, right? You've got to get there and do it. Um, so the same, you know, for the children, I say, you know, your children are not going to get better at these skills at communicating and sorting out negotiating unless they get you know themselves right there in the court and they start playing this you have to practice with them you have to role play with them you have to give them the opportunity but what we typically do for example like let's say there's a sibling bickering over a toy right our you know traditional selves traditional parenting maybe our my old the old me would do something like take that toy away and say, you know what, I'm going to take this away until the two of you can figure this out. Or, you know, like, no one is going to play with this now. You guys are fighting over this. It's gone, right? And I tell parents, well, that, that solved the problem for the moment. That was good. You ended the bickering. But when we took that toy away, we also took away the opportunity for them to practice the skills, right? Like, Think of all the skills that they were practicing. They were practicing communication. They were practicing problem solving, practicing negotiating skills, 
practicing cooperation, collaboration. They were practicing their emotional stability. How can we solve this without hurting each other, right? Um, they could be practicing, you know, a number of different skills. Right. We take away the toy. We take away the opportunity for them to solve. So we just have to, okay, let's help them, you know, fight better, <laughs> negotiate this better, and practice the skills. Um, so I, I, I think that that's the missing link, is that a lot of the stuff we hear, and parents are getting so much information, they are reading so many books. I know, I can guess that all your listeners, if they are anything like the parents I work with, they are already the most dedicated, committed, you know, loving parents who could be doing anything right now. They could be binge watching Netflix, but they're listening to something right. that will work themselves, right? When people come to my my workshops or to my lectures, to my talks, that's what I say. It's a Thursday night and you could be anywhere and you chose to be here, right? It's already proof of you know how committed, dedicated and loving of a parent you are and how lucky your children are. And it really just comes down to stop getting more information or even inspiration and get to implementing so we can get that transformation going yeah. because it's it's all in the transformation <laughs> the, the secret is there yeah oh i think our conversation has gone through the cycle of inspiring and educating and now having some of those skills for transformation Um, We have had a short time to talk with you today, but I'd love for my listeners to know how they can get more information from you. Yes, I have, and I'll share a link with you for a free mini training that they can sign up. And that alone is a great place to start. They would get a lot of the, you know, just getting a, a nice little game plan for, okay, what is it that I need to be uh, working on? Because these four pieces I talked about just so briefly here, uh, I go in, you know, a little bit more depth mm-hmm. in the mini training and help them see that one of these areas is your biggest obstacle. So either is your mindset that's tripping you, that's holding you back. Maybe for you, it's your strategy. Maybe some of the listeners, uh, they just don't have better strategies. They are they grew up with the yelling and the threatening and the shaming and the blaming or the permissiveness models. And now they don't they don't have better stuff to to work with. For some are the connection piece. They just feel very disconnected from their children. They just don't know how to repair the connection. They're feeling that emotional distance. Maybe they already, you know, they're a little bit later on in their parenting journey. Maybe their kid is now nine years old with the attitude or teenagers. And now fights became the norm and yelling is the norm in your house, right? So that connection piece is is missing out, is what's holding everybody back. And for some you're going to notice it's the emotional intelligence. It's like, oh my gosh, I just don't have, I lose my cool. I'm not emotionally stable at moments. I am not communicating well. I am not problem solving well as a family. We're not all working together as a team. It's us against the kids, the kids against us. Even as partners with our spouses, it's us stepping on each other's toes and we're not on the same parenting page. And what we're missing is that emotional intelligence as a family. So this mini training helps you pinpoint. There's even um, a little 
a quiz that you can take to identify which one is your biggest obstacle. So then you know where to kind of tackle this from, which angle, which one of the four you can start first. And then you start your positive cycle going. You get that. For me, it was the mindset because I grew up, I was talking to you before we started mm -hmm. recording that I grew up in South Brazil and South Brazil, even for the most loving parents, it's very okay to uh, you know, yell and shame and blame and spank and hurt and humiliate and all of that stuff. It's just part of the culture for, you know, for, for us down there. And I remember when I was maybe nine and I have a brother who's just a year older than me, but I, rem I still have this in my mind, this image, we're in our kitchen and my mom is so mad at us because we touched something we shouldn't be playing with. I don't even know what it is that we did, but we did something bad. And she's making us kneel down and kiss her feet to apologize for something silly that we did, right? Something we shouldn't be doing. And I remember feeling so humiliated and feeling like, this is so wrong. I am never going to do this. <laughs> I, I think that was, that was the moment for me when I knew this is what I was going to do with my, you know, in my mm -hmm. life. And then I studied, of course, spent my life, you know, w working on education and studying to do this. But for me, I was programmed to be a bad mom. <laughs> I was just, you know, the model that I got, I grew up in a very emotionally unintelligent family. I adore my mom and dad and forgive them. And I know they did the best they could with what they knew and, we come from, I come from a long line of abusive parenting. She was, you know, they were, you know, emotionally, physically, we were spanked and, you know, even with the belt or the stick, you know, like, so it was physically and verbally and emotionally, but she came from, you know, her father was even more abusive to her and him himself had a very abusive stepfather. Okay. So some of us are breaking decades of conditioning. Some of us are breaking generational patterns, right? So for me, I knew mindset was my biggest block. I knew the theory, I had the strategies, I, you know, I, but it was my mind just wouldn't let me access those great things in the heat of the moment. I was a wonderful mom 95% of the time, but when I lost my cool, I was horrible. So I knew that that was what I needed to figure it out for me, but for you it might be one of the other areas and for the listeners, maybe something else. So uh, that, that mini training will help people identify what is that's keeping them holding them back right. the most great well I'll make sure I get my listeners that link in the Facebook group and on Instagram and also in the show notes I'll also put up your social media tags so that they can hit you up there too because I know you put out some good information Thank you so much for being here today thank you for sharing with us and giving us these tools that we can use and allowing us to kind of think about what's happening right now in our family and the type of parent that we want to be. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. It was an honor. And I'm so excited for this opportunity. Thank you. Yes. And I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye to my listeners. Thank you for listening to Finding Myself. If you like what you heard, please leave a review. If you have a question or a suggestion, 
Feel free to email me at findingmyselfpodcast at gmail.com. I also invite you to be part of our Finding Myself community on Facebook. There you will have access to more resources, more suggestions, more information, and the opportunity to be part of discussions. Please meet us back here next time.